0: Welcome to the Gamers In. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello,
1: Jocelyn. How's it going?
0: Not too shabby. It's been kind of a, a quick but also quiet week, and I guess, like, it's funny because we're even recording, like, we had been moved to Tuesdays for a while, now we're back to Wednesdays, and but somehow I feel like we just recorded and we're talking about crazy zombie sharks
1: yeah was that last week i don't that was last week oh okay wow that does that feels like a while ago it's been a long it's been a it's been
0: a weird week yeah it's (laughs) it's because we i think it's because we had the holiday so we had a holiday monday and i feel like that just threw me right off and everything (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't get the I, well i took so yeah that's probably why it felt long i did take the monday off because we don't we don't get it it's not a federal holiday but um
0: <laughs> sucker <laughs> i know
1: we're working on it and by working on it i mean we're i don't know write your write your politicians um but yeah no um i took it off we did we did some fun stuff that i'll probably talk about on on dungeons and diapers but we did we did uh we i'll give one little tidbit we did a we did, we did a hockey game with the kids uh, here locally in Peterborough, we saw the Peterborough Peets play the Sudbury Wolves, and it turns out uh, a four-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old's attention span only works for about a period and a half.
0: Oh, uh, I was gonna say, aren't your kids a little bit young to be sitting through a whole hockey game? I mean... I remember I used to watch Hockey Night in Canada with mm-hmm. my dad, but it's like it may be the first period. And then it was like, oh, Don Cherry's on, time for bed. Yeah, <laughs> like- well, <laughs> probably
1: a good thing now that we know now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, they they were really excited about the whole experience. Then the first period was over. And it's just the intermission is so long. And everyone mm-hmm. literally gets, everyone gets out of their seat at the intermission. So uh, if they want to walk around or go to the bathroom, it's like, oh great we gotta deal with a sea of people and you don't want to sit still but you know we had enough snacks to keep them busy and and abigail was just kind of like it was it's peterborough and it's a local ohl team so it's not crazy busy even though it was like a special family day game uh she was just walking up and down the stands like talking to everybody and you know saying (laughs) go pete's go and i'm just like oh (laughs) you two and a half just social butterfly just any other time oh say hi abby no
0: you know. I was gonna say, like, she's never anytime I've ever seen her, she is so like quiet and like, who is this strange woman? Why is she here? <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, oh, because we're gonna be best friends. And she's like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, she uh she was all over it. But uh, you know, other than that So it's not it
0: strangers, it's just me, is what you're uh, saying. <laughs> I think no, it's you
1: know what it is? I think it's just it's it's like it's like the real world. Some people have this tendency where like i'm never gonna see this person ever again so i can just act you know not not any way i want but just just be a normal, like, I don't want to say normal person, just I'm going to engage with them and and have a conversation because even if I screw up, I can just walk in the other direction. Like even if I say something silly and make a fool of myself, I'm never going to see this person again.
0: It it's, is much easier to perform in front of strangers than yeah. it is to perform in front of people you know, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly.
1: So I think that was basically what I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, scientific term to explain exactly what I'm talking about, but and we'll we'll get some <laughs> messages, but it's just I think that's what it is and then when it comes to people it's like oh this is clearly like a family member or a friend of my parents so I'm gonna see these folks again at some point so I need to be like top notch not ready right now so I'm just gonna hide behind mom's leg but watch out (laughs) next time I'm gonna get you and uh yeah I think that's what's going on basically Uh, okay (laughs) but But, yeah
0: yeah, so I I think it's because of the the family day holiday but like I didn't really play all too many things like that are that are outside of my realm of, you know, games as a service, but Mm -hmm. we both did manage to find the time over the long weekend to finish up Mythic Quest. So we talked about this last week. I think um, I was slightly further than Ryan was, but um, essentially we were about halfway through the series. So this is if you guys don't remember from last week, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet is the uh, kind of like sitcom um it's always sunny in philadelphia creators um version of basically game dev mm. so now that you've finished the show and i think we should probably still talk without like too many spoilers i mean mm-hmm. not that there's i wouldn't necessarily say that there's like super big like story points like i don't know maybe I there's like one I
1: don't... one big you know late game moment that i think could be could be spoiled like near like probably the last two episodes there are a couple story beats that if you knew going in kind of remove the i don't want to say shock But revelation. Well, I
0: guess maybe that like because I didn't really have any like big revelation moments. I didn't have any big like, oh, no way. Because it's like, let's be let's be real. That is not what I was watching the show for. (laughs) This is not intrigue. This is not mystery. This is nothing. It's just like it's a sitcom. Right. So, I mean, and it doesn't even have like necessarily uh, main characters being like embroiled in like romances with like will they won't they there's the the one like potential couple but you're just kind of like i don't know it just that's not really the focus of the show so because it's not the focus of the show it's like even if i knew will they won't they that wouldn't like it's i don't know i feel like this is an unspoilable show yeah yeah
1: Maybe. I mean, I think I think what I've learned over the last week is some folks are going to watch this. They're going to watch the first two episodes and they're going to know exactly if they want to continue or not. Um, uh, Patrick Beja was talking about it on Twitter and I kind of he said he watched the first two episodes. and He's like, I can't do it. It's assholes being assholes. (laughs) And I hear everything is great about episode five and whatever. I might check it out. And I said, yeah, you're not going to like the rest of the series gets a little bit better in terms of the assholes being assholes bit. But episode five is is very separate. It's a it's a distinct story. It, that they like, yeah, to... you
0: can literally, if you don't even want to watch the rest of Mythic Quest, like if you hate the actors, don't like the storytelling style, you know, whatever, you can literally skip the entire season, just watch episode five. And it is like a full standalone. You don't need to know anything going in. You don't need to take anything from it with you into the rest of the season. Like you can just watch that episode, which is when we were talking about it last week, that's where I had just stopped and I was like, What the fuck yeah. is this? Like, what is happening right now? And uh yeah, like that that episode, right smack dab in the middle, is totally standalone. And I actually thought it was really well done. I enjoyed it. So I think like if you it was probably it's like the standout of the se- of the series. Um And so if you have no interest in any of the rest of the episodes, I would still say you can go and watch like episode five. And it just it was it was kind of a really interesting like um, start to finish look at like the rise and fall of a game franchise from, you know, like innocent vision of pure creativity through to like crazy corporate greed results, basically and uh, and it was it was a really really interesting and the the two main actors that are in it do a really great job um i mentioned them last week but it was the the mother from how i met your mother and the guy from new girl new girl yep i was like that show with girls. Yeah, we <laughs> did that last <laughs> I remember. week remember i know i did but yeah so it's the two <laughs> of them to... <laughs> they have they actually have a lot of chemistry they do really well together really and good. yeah i really like that episode um mm. but i feel like Because, I mean, you mentioned the whole assholes being assholes thing, and it is from the creators of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which we both of us, I think, have the same sort of idea when it comes to that show in that that's what that entire show is like the whole way through to the point that we didn't like it because you can't root for anybody. And I almost feel like they were taking the first half. So before episode five, I kind of feel like they were trying to take that sort of sense of humor and then, you know, to to bring that audience in because they probably knew that like a lot of people who like It's Always Sunny would be interested in anything that the, the creators did after that. So I think they were maybe trying to like transition from that sort of sense of humor into where they landed because I thought that the back half of the season was a lot better. I enjoyed it a lot more. There were still some like misses But the missus didn't feel so much like slapping you in the face. And you really did start to to root for a couple of the characters. And they kind of showed you some different sides and some complexities that I wasn't necessarily expecting. But it also kind of switched from this kind of like sitcom to like more of like a drama with zingers. Right. (laughs) Like it wasn't it wasn't going like in the back half of the season. It wasn't going for like, you know, like joke beat joke beat joke beat it was just kind of like it just was they were just telling a story like I didn't laugh very much during the second half of the season but I thought they told better stories and the characters were more relatable and it was so funny and I, maybe it was on purpose but it was so funny that that kind of transition in storytelling and characters happened like after that crazy out of nowhere episode
1: yeah yeah yeah, I I felt that as well. It felt like there was two parts and it, and they do kind of put that intermission in there really really smartly, right? And and I think after oh, but that Well,
0: like, is it smart? Like if you're doing a 9 know. episode show, do you really need an intermission? Like maybe rethink some of your storytelling because you've only got 9 episodes and if you're having so much trouble telling your story fleshing out your characters and figuring out what kind of show you actually want to make like maybe you shouldn't be shooting film at that point like well, maybe you should be going back to the writer's board i, I is think not a was... drawing board but i'm like i don't do they draw well, do do storyboard maybe for the, maybe? Oh, maybe okay <laughs> I,
1: I actually don't know that's a good point it's not really like a
0: well they should go know. back to whatever board they use to make the show and, and yeah
1: <laughs> macbook um no i i i think that they spend the first half with it's more of a straight comedy introducing the characters highlighting their quirks and ratcheting them up to 11 you know you have the tester the creative guy the programmer uh you know uh, stuff like that
0: insane assistant who thankfully
1: yeah really
0: like uh, i wouldn't even say she comes around she just suddenly has less lines and it's better (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a great way of explaining it i couldn't have done it. I, I said she comes around and i couldn't quite place it but you're right it's literally they just give her less lines and there is this so there's one episode where um the executive producer actually executive produces and and actually starts to make sure all the instruments are following the same song sheet by there's two employees the character uh, the finance guy who's played by Danny Pudi and then the insane assistant, basically some stuff happens and they get all like, what was me? What am I doing here with my life and all that? And he kind of like, which
0: like, okay, can we just like, right. The Danny Pudi story that put him in that place <laughs> was just like, it's, it's so true and so sad. So again, I I don't really think this is, I don't, it's not a spoiler. Can spoil you can spoil this it. show, but Basically what happens, he's in charge of like the the microtransactions in the game and essentially making money for um for Mythic Quest. And so what he does is he puts this like I don't even think it actually had powers. I think it was just a cosmetic item, but he basically put this like meant to be a carrot on a stick, um, like a sword in the in-game shop and said it's It costs two hundred and fifty thousand. I want them to have something to work towards. I assumed he meant like in-game currency, like two hundred and fifty thousand gold, which I mean, any of you wow players know that they've started putting one mount in every expansion. So in Legion, it was the the um, Black Widow spider mount that cost two million gold. This this expansion in BFA it's the um long boy which is the brontosaurus that also has an auction house on its back and that costs 5 million gold so like what? the idea of put yeah the idea of putting these like mounts that are giant gold sinks into games is something i totally relate to until i realized he was talking about 250,000 like real us dollars in this <laughs> in-game store cuz he said he wanted someone to have something to reach for and uh, it was bought within the first day and he was like it doesn't even matter what i do He's like i can't everything. be bad at my job like they'll buy anything
1: <laughs> yeah. and, then, uh... and it was
0: and so it was this whole ex ex, extent- ex- existential ex- existential. i don't know that, that word existential crisis
1: it's it's not very often that i'm the one with the word uh right well it's often. like
0: i know the word i yeah. can see it in my brain it's just it's one of those words that i haven't had to say out loud very often so definitely tripped all over that one but oh, i'm saying yeah, existential has this crisis
1: it's my word of the day every day uh yeah yeah
0: he uh, yeah so he has this crisis and it goes into the it's this whole episode of like Bringing him out of his funk after realizing that his job doesn't really matter and he's not actually good at it because everyone just the whales in your game will just buy like there will be someone who will buy that big crazy item.
1: Yeah, and the revelation at the end that brings them back is is kind of funny. It's
0: hilarious, and, yeah. And, uh, and again, like I don't want to like spoil. No, no the that whole, that's like, the punch. That's the episode
1: yeah. punchline. We'll leave that one. Yeah. But but that yeah. episode highlighted the assistant being the was actually being the assistant, and she she became a normal person. But uh, as the as the series went on, whenever she did make remarks, a lot of characters were like, "Man, we really need to fire her, or we need to figure out a way that that she doesn't like do any." any more harm or something she's not a she it's it's a wild one but you're right like i think they just give her less lines and they give other characters more lines to combat her you know it, you know less lines and it works um yeah I, I she liked, is a
0: background character mm. that deserves like one line an episode at most if they feel the need to remind you she's there, like yeah, most of the lines. She was my day. least favorite part, but again, yeah. she uh, on the back half of the season. Once they kind of found their footing and decided what they wanted to do with the show, then I think it it kind of it got better. The fact that they weren't trying to be a comedy, they weren't trying to be you know it's always sunny, but for video games like they just they kind of decided the kind of stories they wanted to tell and brought us in, like they. They dealt with on the back half of the season, the whole season as a whole, I will say, did pick some really interesting and important and current topics to video games. And 90 percent of the time they did a decent job discussing it while, you know, still trying to make an entertaining show to appeal, you know, beyond just gamers Right. Like they were going for a wider appeal, trying to bring some of the things that we deal with on a daily basis to a wider audience. So there's going to be some dumbing down. There's going to be some, you know, um, just ex- explaining things that to us they don't need explanation or, you know, we're used to them or whatever. So um, they did touch on some really interesting topics. And I think in the back half, I mean, they had like um, the idea of like corporations like paying streamers and You know, like um just the the whole idea of that relationship and like is it is it valid, is it genuine, is it advertising? Like and they dealt with like all those questions. They Mm. dealt with like what it's like being a a female like streamer and the kinds of like things that can happen when you're in that space. And I thought that they did a, a decent job of that, though it was kind of tied up in the whole like marketing morality sort of relationship um idea but like they dealt with that they dealt with the idea of like replacing like human workers with ai like you <laughs> know they, so good they, they touched on some really like interesting and kind of thought-provoking <laughs> topics in their later episodes and not to say that the earlier episodes didn't do that because i think one of your favorite ones yeah, the ryan nazi one was the nazi one yeah and dealing with like what do you do when you have uh subset of your player base that um subscribes to an ideology that you don't want to promote that is you know hate speech or whatever like how do you deal with that how do you get rid of them like what do you do and uh yeah like that was a great episode so I think they just once they got their feet under them it was pretty good and I want to see where this goes like if we're gonna get mythic quest two or you know mm-hmm. like insert next uh, expansion name here or what i don't know but well they've announced
1: I... uh, a series two so a season oh, did two, they? Yeah. okay and um it's it, sorry series <laughs> thinking hey what you want to know, know about uh mythic so they've announced a oh my series god two. mine's
0: going off now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah come on now now you just said everyone's off why don't you just say all the other you know um,
0: yeah uh yeah just google
1: in here um hey google what are you doing uh
0: (laughs) alexa play (laughs) the gamers in (laughs) it's
1: true it'll do it it it, it might play the it might play a random episode um they they've renewed it for a a second season i think i think the episode
0: all over my twitter feed and i don't know if that's a crazy marketing budget or if it's like appealing Mm. to me with all of my like gamer hashtag saved as my searches think... and stuff or like targeted marketing but like every single one of the um like marketed suggested whatever tweets that they do now promoted tweets or whatever every single one of them's about myth i'm like i already have apple plus and i've already watched the whole season can you please stop this now
1: <laughs> I-, I think apple just has a butt ton of money and they're they're advertising every one of their original you know series that comes out um i've noticed it a lot a lot as well but i i do want to like i do want to go back to the the third episode there's an instance at the end of the third episode uh that really you know we talk about you know assholes being assholes and i think we might have talked about this last week as well but or no i talked about it on the patreon mini and it was about uh the end of the episode there's a moment where characters are sort of celebrating their solution to the problem by having a glass of wine and relaxing and just being like we did it and uh the the two characters that are already celebrating are characters that who who butted heads and have butted heads since the beginning of the series and then the executive producer walks in and if this were any sort of network show they they would all hate each other no matter what but but again like that executive producer comes in, I think his name is David, and he sits down and they they invite him to join in their celebration of fixing this problem. So at the end of the day, that episode, being the third one, is I think the strongest in terms of knowing whether you're going to continue watching or jump out. Because that mm. episode shows that these while these characters run hot, they do eventually, you know come down to that normal human level and, and are, are actually and they still care good about people. each other and they care about yeah. the
0: game and i mean i don't know if i would call them all not good people, people they're not but good, at be- least they're a little more relatable decent and
1: relatable yeah they're not like golden you know uh, achievers but they're definitely uh they have their moments You
0: find also. yourself opening up to them and starting to root for them, which was always my problem with other shows that just try to show people being jerks is I'm yeah. just like, why am I even watching this? Because there's nobody that I really, you know, want to win, like everyone is just horrible. And so this isn't entertaining or fun for me anymore. So And I mean, Always Sunny isn't the only show that's done that. I feel like I just had an example off the top of my head and now I've forgotten it, but it doesn't matter. Trailer Park Um, Boys, maybe?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a Trailer Park Boy person either, and I've never been able to watch it. I know a lot of people like it, but that one also seems like assholes being assholes, but more the Canadian version. So maybe it's not as bad. So
0: maybe it's not as bad, yeah. But yeah, so I mean I think um I, that's a really good example. I think that third episode of, you know, if if you're going to stick with it, that's the time that you'll figure out if you can watch it or not. Um mm-hmm. another topic that they touched on was unionization too, which yeah. I thought, again, there were a lot of very like um up-to-date like hot button topics that were covered in fairly balanced ways when the topic, you know, called for a balanced approach. And uh, yeah, I, I I was pleasantly surprised, though I had fairly low expectations. Um, but I think once they started to take themselves a little bit more seriously, then it came off better. Um, so yeah, I think overall probably like a seven out of ten. But I'm still serious, um, curious to see where it goes. So it's
1: um, a solid, yeah, seven out of ten. I I agree with that. I think that's a solid sort of representation of the entire series and i think that's where last week was very tough to determine like i'm i wasn't i was never planning on stopping watching it because i i felt like i'd already you I'm got already committed in. right yeah, yeah. I'm, you're, I mean, after three episodes, by the end of
0: last in. week i was yeah i was already five episodes out of nine through it so i was like yeah i am gonna watch this but mm-hmm. yeah i but, i still five episodes in couldn't tell how i felt about it and now that i finished it i felt like the back half of it really came around so yeah.
1: The back half, I think, saves after the first two episodes. But that unionization episode is a really good example of they did it in an interesting way where it's it's not it's not cutter. It's not black and white. It's yeah, there was a there was a a 30 minute arc to it that kind of was all over the thing You kind
0: of have to. Yeah, that's the thing you have to kind of remember, too, right, is that these are half an hour long episodes that usually have like an A plot and a B plot which means your A-plot is getting, you know, kind of probably 15 minutes tops. Like if you call it half the show with a couple of minor plots to make sure that all of the characters are actually like on the episode doing things and have like satisfying stories of their own, it means your A-plot is, you know, 10 to 15 minutes long. And 10 to 15 minutes is not a very long time to tackle a lot of the complexities of these subjects. So it is superficial, but I think they still do a fairly decent job of making sure that they're presenting all the pieces that need to be presented anyways. Mm -hmm. I agree. Whether you always agree with their resolutions or not is another thing, but
1: yeah. And I mean the resolutions that they present for each, sort of topic that comes around isn't necessarily what you see in the headlines and it's also not like rose colored glasses especially with the unionization one where it's like mm-hmm. you you think you think uh, on the bad side it's like no they don't unionize and they fire everyone who wanted to do it but on the other side of it they don't like it's not like everyone unionizes and, and everyone's happy so it's 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 that in between more I I don't want to say yeah (laughs) nuance I don't want to say either realistic either it's kind of one of those just one of those specific outcomes that happened because of some of the characters actions and Mm. it actually all did kind of work out in the end but it's it's dirty like that sort of stuff is is messy right so it was interesting to see that outcome and and we I think even this you know on unionization it's not video game related specifically but we saw I think Kickstarter their employees voted to unionize just
0: unionized yep
1: yeah so it's interesting and i mean i think there are some video game developers that are unionized but it's more of a It kind of it's good for the employees but it kind of feels more like a i don't want to say marketing gimmick because it is good for the employees don't get me wrong but it's so few done by video game companies that it is this like flag that they can they can run up and be like yeah we're, we're a unionized game developer um but, anyways, it's uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where things go on that front as well in the in the mm-hmm. real
0: world. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, you actually got some uh, a chance to actually play something on the Switch this week.
1: I did. So, tell me about that. Yeah. So, I got a code for the Turing Test from Square Enix, and the Turing Test is I didn't realize it was this old but the not old i don't want to say old because it's it came out in but it came out in 2016 i didn't realize it so the game's about three and a half years old came out august 2016 for windows and xbox one and then later on uh on playstation 4 so this is the fabled uh let's put it on switch port um and i gotta say it it fits really well on the switch i i played it both on tv and in handheld and it felt really good So the Turing test is basically a first-person puzzle game where you solve rooms to progress the story. So as you progress, you're given very limited information at the beginning, like you've been woken up to solve an issue that's happening on Europa, one of Jupiter's moons. And the AI computer Tom is talking to you. As you complete each room, you get more and more information as to what's going on in terms of why you're being tasked with the... with being, re- being reawoken and sent down to Europa to figure out what's going on. Uh, the rooms, all the, all the puzzles deal with... Uh, so I would I would say like it has a very portal feel to it, but more serious in the sense that it is a bunch of corridors, it is a bunch of puzzle rooms, and you have an AI talking to you. But that AI isn't cracking jokes. It's a very serious AI. I'd, I'd probably place it closer to um, 2001 A Space Odyssey AI. Okay. Uh, and and like, i mean
0: was that hal or i think yeah
1: the the daisy guy um
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh but yeah yeah hal uh 9000 i believe and again there are probably some sci-fi nerds that are typing furiously uh or or maybe i'm right and they're congratulating me but uh anyways <laughs> we'll see uh, we'll find out later uh later tomorrow uh but yeah the so it like portal there are these puzzle rooms and it's not as uh I don't want to give the, like not everyone can be portal in terms of writing and, and actual puzzles because this doesn't deal with portals. It actually, all the puzzles resolve around or revolve around uh, power manipulation. So doors are powered by these conduits and starting off, you do have a little bit of, you have a gun that can sort of pull power from conduit, from a conduit, and then you can move it to another conduit. So the first puzzle is as simple as pulling power from this conduit, walking across the room shooting it at the other door and then walking through. Yeah, you did it. Here's a little more story. Tom tells you a little more and you move on. Uh as the game progresses. Man,
0: can we just take a second yeah. and talk about how much we miss Portal because yeah. I feel like I want to go play Portal now.
1: <laughs> I do as well. I miss and... that
0: universe. I miss those puzzles. I'm sure that at this point in time there must be a gazillion like custom maps because that was one of the first like Steam Workshop games that was supported like man i just want to go play portal
1: (laughs) i miss portal a lot as well and and here's the thing i'm i'm happy to try to recapture sort of that that feel of portal any way i can and i think i'll be honest like part of me saw the turing test when it launched and and saw it again when i got it on the humble bundle and then saw it again when it came up on the switch and i was like you know maybe i should try this out and you kind of think like maybe this will scratch that itch and and it never never does because it's impossible portal 2 is is untouchable portal 1 is only succeeded by its sequel which is so rare and that's probably why we don't have a portal 3 i mean mm. it took half-life or it took you know well it took half-life yeah, almost took two half decades life. yeah to get it to get a to get a follow-up and we and we are getting and it's
0: not even a, a three right it's a no, it's a it's... vr in between
1: <laughs> yeah and and i am i'm am gonna do my darndest to try to experience it in per, like myself uh it launches i think mid-march half-life alex it looks fantastic it has reese darby in it so that's almost like worth the thousand dollar price of admission because he's fantastic and can do no wrong and he's hilarious uh band meeting so i i'm really looking forward to that but but it pains me it hurts my heart deeply knowing that Valve is just uninterested in visiting visiting Portal, and I get it. I super get it because how do you make a follow-up to what already was uh probably a hair tearing, how do we make this work sequel? Like like Portal 2, that must have been ah, oh, I do not envy them, and that's probably why they haven't done Half-Life 3. It'd be nearly impossible to the pressure alone would be man, immense. And and I and I hope that's something. That's something they could have addressed in Mythic Quest. It seemed like Mythic Quest was that that game that how do we top this? And mm-hmm. they just the first episode is like how do we top this? And then like oh we topped it. We put a we put a shovel in that lets you kill people. I don't think they take the game part seriously enough in that show to to properly sort of portray uh, this feeling we're discussing about Portal Two. But yeah, I miss Portal as well. Like I played that bridge constructor game thinking may- maybe this this'll be the portal <laughs> that I'm looking for.
0: But it never is. <laughs> no,
1: because it was just building bridges through portals. I get it. You're <laughs> thinking with portals, but you're just you're building bridges through portals and it's not
0: That's super lame.
1: <laughs> it's not the same. I mean, I don't know. Like it had GLaDOS, it had we her voice. Shoot glue. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is like Portal 2, the, the campaign for that was perfect. And there was so much Mm -hmm. cool stuff you could do in it. I'm sorry, Turing test, but Portal 2, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like I totally derailed this conversation. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. The Turing test, Nintendo Switch, great (laughs) port. We loved it. The puzzles are cool. The story is good. I say we, but it was Ryan. I no, no, (laughs) you
1: you should check it out. Uh and and just so here's the thing about the Turing test. To 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 bring it back to the game that I actually played this week. Um (laughs) Although I kind of want to play, we should just play Portal right, 2. Right, we
0: should just stop this show right no, 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 now and no. just go play through Portal 2. <laughs>
1: Come on now, don't don't put words in my mouth. I mean, I still want to talk about the Turing test, but but I think like if we were to find a way to talk about Portal 2 for another couple minutes here and then maybe a half hour next week, we should do like a game club where we just like, remember Portal 2? And that's just the name of the segment. You remember game and it's just us talking about Portal 2 because we played it again. And I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> it's
0: just every week we have a 10 minute section about Portal 2. I mean,
1: no, no, not. <laughs> I'm a, okay.
0: Totally down.
1: <laughs> First of all, not every week. Cause that, that sounds like homework. <laughs> Second of all, you'd switch up the game. Like we could do, you remember Skyrim? That'd be a good uh, one.
0: You remember Skyrim? I remember it's Skyrim. Everywhere. Let's
1: talk I about it again. get it
0: on my phone at this point.
1: You can get it on your Echo. I've tried it it's uh not fun but it's there uh, but it's
0: there <laughs>
1: you remember uh what's another game you remember mass effect 3 i love
0: this oh, live man. show planning this is great
1: <laughs> i'm just saying i mean we've done news we've we've incorporated news so we can talk about it more than five minutes how about a segment called you remember the mass effect 3 you remember
0: uh <laughs> i remember
1: no <laughs> you're supposed to say a game It's it's fine we got three of them that's good enough i'm sure people in discord will have some more <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I'm sure
0: there's a ton of suggestions out there. You're just totally... Okay, do you watch South Park?
1: Uh, I used to. Um, okay, then anymore.
0: no, that's why you did not get that joke. Okay, no, oh, it was a okay. hilarious joke. If you watch South Park, people will get it, but you, yeah, never mind. So someone Anyways, in Discord so is going to explain test. it yeah, to someone me. In Discord, someone in Discord is laughing their butt off right that's now. That's
1: good, and I hope uh. they mention <laughs> it. And So everyone who's listening to this, if you got that joke, make sure you mention it in Discord so that I know how... How bad I should watch soap Park?
0: I guess. I <laughs> you know. missed like an entire season if you don't know that joke. Oh, Anyways, season! I've missed matter.
1: seasons. I think the last uh, time I watched Star <laughs> or Star Trek South Park, let's not even <laughs> get started on Star Trek. Uh, last time I watched South Park, I remember. So here's my thing with soap Park.
0: This is the most tangent-filled gamers in we've ever seen, By the way, it's I can't fine. even bring this back on the rails, guys. I've been trying for like ten minutes. No, you have not. This is
1: your <laughs> fault. <laughs> this is you so just quick story about south park when i was a kid uh south park was uh (laughs) was a faux pas you weren't allowed to watch it it was something we didn't watch it's true and but but also my parents didn't care enough to do anything about it they just said maybe don't watch south park and you know i had everyone has that cousin where their parents let them do everything and they watch south park so i watched a couple episodes like oh yeah this is like the simpsons but like for for adults so we're gonna watch south park and i remember having to like i didn't know i didn't set my vcr i'd just start recording as soon as i went to bed and then south park started at midnight and i very vividly remember the jurassic park episode but it like cutting off halfway through and that's like my most outside of the world of warcraft you ran episode out of tape? Mm, yeah yeah old school vcr yeah, that's
0: the thing that used to happen guys
1: yeah i mean man we're old uh but but that being said, the only other episode I can really remember is the World of Warcraft one, because everyone watched it. Um, that and after they won the Emmy, uh, there was a whole episode about the biggest poop. I remember that one as yes. well. Okay, yes. anyways, that being said, let's go back to the Turing test after we talk about the big poop. Uh, what else is there to say? <laughs> the- <laughs> I
0: was like, this is all you, man. This is your game this week. So. No, I know. Uh,
1: so basically, like the puzzles are really interesting, in in that you are at the beginning, it's very simple, and just like Portal, there are these moments where you come into the room. You're you're listening to the story between your character, uh, uh, Ava, uh, whose name is Ava Turing, and then you've got Tom, who's the AI, and they're talking back and forth. and And then as you're listening to it, you're looking around at the room, trying to determine, okay, how do I solve this room? And just like Portal, you're you're kind of fiddling with the with the solution, and then you get it. And there is that feeling of like ah I did it you know it's not it's not as strong as Portal it's not as rewarding as Portal but it's it's there it's kind of uh, it's like a it's like a Portal light in the sense that you're getting that you're getting that fe- you know that feeling when you finish a puzzle and you feel like you've accomplished something like you beat you beat that small part of the game and you feel good about it um, there is there is that in this game so you do feel that that feeling but it's not quite as strong as what i remember experiencing in in portal when you when you Mm -hmm. solve something um and yeah like it it doesn't get too complicated but the cool thing that the game does is uh about at the halfway point when the the power manipulation sort of thing is starting to get a little little stale they do introduce like some special uh power conduits so as opposed to just like having a blue orb that that is just an on off like a binary they have like colored ones so they have like a green and a purple that operate on um intervals so they'll kind of go on then they'll go off then they'll go on and the green and the purple on opposite ends so you get to like this puzzle where you're having to like specifically set up the green and the purple so that the the platforms are moving in a specific way so you can traverse to the ending and and that was really really clever and they have another power conduit where it's like a reddish And it's kind of it turns it on automatically, but then will do one cycle, so it'll turn it on for a set amount of time and then shut down. So you have that like small burst of I gotta make it from A to B before that thing shuts down. Maybe it's powering a light bridge or something. So there are like bridges and like a bunch of platforms. But at the midway point of the game, and I'm not gonna spoil it because it is both story and gameplay. uh, There is a moment where. There's a story, a story beat that affects both your understanding of what's going on and uh, part of gameplay as well. It doesn't change the gameplay completely, but it adds another element to it that I thought was very interesting. Um, I mean, the game's four years old, but if you were looking to experience it for the first time on Switch, like I have, like I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but it really it really changed the, my motivation for kind of continuing to move forward in the game. Cause I was more interested in the story it was telling. Cause it, it changes well essentially like the story you're being told in the first half from Tom, uh, is, is one thing, but it's not necessarily the complete truth. Right. Right. So as you, as you, as you get more information about like why you're on Europa and, and why the crew have suddenly like, um, you know, uh, uh, they set up all these rooms essentially, so the the turn. I was gonna t-
0: say like don't don't. I'm not too, spoiling too much. it much, yeah. But okay. I'm just
1: saying like the the crew. So you is, never know is what gone.
0: could be a spoiler. <laughs> you never know. But yeah. Okay. So the crew's gone. All right.
1: The, the crew is gone. Like they're they're not. You don't know where they are. You just know that they have separated themselves from Tom. They've uh sequestered themselves into a room where no one can find them, and they are they're trying their darndest to keep Tom away. And that's where the Turing test comes in because the Turing test is essentially um, how you how you can tell a computer has has uh, surpassed uh, it, how an AI has surpassed and is able to emulate a human being. Right. So essentially right. all these rooms are Turing tests that Tom cannot pass on his own because he's a he's an AI. It's he's impossible. a computer. Yeah. yeah. They they do some hand wavy. And I'm sure if someone like is super knowledgeable of the Turing test, they're like, oh, that's not really how it works. But hey, you know we're not ready to go to europa yet so maybe it maybe it doesn't matter that it doesn't work um, <laughs> but i i really like the story it's a short game uh i think i'm on the last set of levels and i've only been playing it for i'd say three to four hours so it is a bite-sized experience if you are looking for something new but again it's been out for a while so i didn't realize actually when i you know committed to starting playing it i, I didn't realize it had been out for almost four years uh, and it holds up. I think it's it's really strong. It's a cool indie game. and and it
0: was a good it was a good port to the switch.
1: It's a great port. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a slowdown, you know, sometimes as you're loading into new levels. So essentially, as you're traversing th- th- this is the only thing I noticed is as you're traversing between puzzle rooms, um, what I'm sure works fine, again, I haven't played it on PC or the other consoles, but I'm sure as you're loading from one room to the other, like as you walk from the end of the hallway to the other end, it just loads the next level but on the switch i did find that and again this could be present in the other versions but i'm just saying that's the only thing i noticed is that as you walk there is a bit of a loading sort of reticle and i've have cu- had a couple loading screens pop up um and that's both in handheld and on tv mode so but it doesn't hamper the experience at all because it's it's like any game it, it, it's going to load so but other than that uh i haven't really noticed any issues it's a, it's a solid port um, If you are interested, you could probably pick it up on PC probably uh, when it goes on sale. And it's probably a deep, deep cut there in terms of a sale. So it's a very easy game to check out. But if you're looking for another little puzzle game on your Switch, this one definitely fits the bill. It's worth it for sure.
0: Well, you know, I'm always up for more puzzle games, so I probably will check this one out because it sounds interesting and I like twisty plots. So yeah, no, I I think
1: I think you dig the story. The story is really, really cool what they've done with it. Um, and like I said, it's a serious sci-fi story. It's not a, there's no comedy. It's, it's very much, it very much reminds me of 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, uh, yeah, I say, check it out. The story is really cool.
0: Very, very, very cool. And yeah, I'm, I love stuff on Switch too, because that portability does actually make a difference sometimes. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to, I think I will check it out. Um, the other thing I checked out this week, actually, uh, very, very briefly today, um, I got a chance to actually play with xCloud. So, um, it was a friend of mine at work. He, um, has an Android. I don't have an Android anymore. I have an iPhone. And so xCloud is actually available. And so I had a really quick chance to try out Ori and the Blind Forest, uh, Borderlands 2 and, uh. Well, I didn't actually play Dead by Daylight because as you guys know, I play DVD on my PC, and so I have no idea what the controls are on um, Xbox. So he like played through a match of DVD and I and I got to sit and like watch uh, like how the uh, like what the latency was like because in DVD, if you guys have never played it when you're um, playing as a survivor and you're actually repairing a generator, there's skill checks that pop up. So that to me was something I could very closely relate to, like playing on the PC, um, like what that timing was supposed to look like. It's basically like a circle pops up with like an area that when the little indicator gets into the area, you have to click a button. And if you click the button while the indicator is in the area, then you pass the skill check. And if it's outside of the area, then you fail. And there's like a big notification that goes to the killer if you fail. So I'm aware of what that feels like on my like hardwired like PC and uh, versus this like Xbox cloud um, like streaming game. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, I mean, Ori is kind of like it's like a platformer with like elements of like minimalistic combat, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like a platformer, puzzle solver, Borderlands, obviously shooter and then dead by daylight so i noticed um with the platformer it was like first of all well i hadn't played ori in a really long time so just remembering like what was what what i did find was like playing on the phone screen with ori it was really hard to see because it was just such a small screen um so being able to tell like the parts of the environment that were um like hazardous versus like safe to land on. Like that was really hard to tell, but the responsiveness was actually there. It was pretty good. Um, Same with Borderlands Two. Like I think it was much better than I thought it was going to be in terms of like my movement. And then when I started to try to shoot, it just kind of felt like um, my sensitivity wasn't high enough, which is actually something you can tweak. So I think it actually did a lot, like it, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And aside from the fact that you're like playing on your smartphone, it was actually pretty good. Like just like the size of the screen, the stuff looked clear, but I would never want to like that to be the way that I play like Borderlands or Dead by Daylight. When I was actually watching the Dead by Daylight stuff and the skill checks would pop up there was some definite like lag and latency but dead by daylight also just introduced some new uh servers over on the xbox side and stuff so there's like more stuff going on than just this straight up xcloud experiment (laughs) i -hmm. guess in the dead by daylight world so i was like i was pleasantly surprised um and still i think they're doing more and they're doing better than stadia (laughs) because (laughs) they're doing this thing where it's just like hey Try these games instead of Stadia being like, hey, buy these games for full price that you already own that are many years old. Like, (laughs) I know we harp on this probably too much, but yeah, the Stadia whole marketplace idea is just not going to fly. So,
1: yeah, I think it was
0: it was an interesting experience and it was better than I thought it was going to be.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we were talking about this pre-show and then streaming for me. It's got to be a very, like right now in this specific ecosystem with games, it has to be about portability, right? It's like the Switch. That The, the benefit mm, of the Switch I is that thinking, you
0: can take it. Yeah, it. I was thinking not even so much um, portability, but for me, it's more so like cost. Like we've talked about the cost of the upcoming console generation and mm-hmm. which one we're going to choose to buy on launch and actually... I mean, it's kind of a good segue into um, one of our news stories this week. So um, I'm going to jump straight into that. But before I do, uh, if you guys are interested in supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in. We are currently looking for our February patron. And as Ryan mentioned, he actually does a mini show every week. Uh, He does the Patreon mini that kind of gives you guys an idea of like what games are playing in case you want to play along, what news stories we're following uh, gives you kind of like a heads up on what we're going to cover for the week. And that's over again at patreon.com slash the gamers in if you guys are interested in supporting the show. So um, we have a news story this week about Sony, who is basically like struggling to find a price point that they think is going to be um, uh, accepted by consumers because apparently right now the PS five and its components are pushing the price of manufacturing up to about 450 U.S. dollars, Mm -hmm. which means in order to turn a profit, they're pretty much going to have to sell the console for $500 a piece or more. Again, U.S., which, I mean, for us up in Canada, that means that we're looking at a price point somewhere between like $650 and $750, depending on how much they want to uh, err on the side of inflation, basically. Um, or not inflation, um, exchange rates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically like we're looking at a super expensive piece of hardware and that's where I think streaming gets interesting because if these services, the like xCloud and the NVIDIA stuff and whatever gets to the point where it is, you know, way better than what I can play on affordable hardware in my home and doesn't have a lot of latency and is a decent gaming experience. I think that there could be a potential for people because basically what you're doing when you're playing on Xcloud is like you're playing on the best Xbox. Like <laughs> you're just you're streaming that stuff from their hardware onto your, you know, insert device here and and playing without having to actually invest your money into that hardware now there's the whole question of you know ownership and everything else but we're kind of almost beyond that now with everything being downloadable digital and constantly online and connected to servers like nobody owns anything anymore we saw that with the warcraft 3 story so <laughs> um you know like that uh, argument is almost moot at this point but the costs for these pieces of hardware whether you're talking about like next gen like cutting-edge PC mm. parts, or if you're talking about, like, our our console generations and stuff, like, all of that is getting so expensive as they try to cram more and more and more power into these tiny boxes that, you know, eventually they're going to outstrip the pace at which consumers can afford to pay for these things. So mm-hmm. streaming services, that always give, it's almost like leasing a car. It's like every couple <laughs> of years for the same price you get a better car and you just kind of can naturally upgrade as like one you know one agreement comes to an end you just sign another agreement update your car and you keep going and your price point doesn't change and that's kind of what this reminds me of it's almost like leasing whatever the the new hotness is in terms of of computer tech in order to then play your games
1: well i mean on that note i think like what i was saying is like at this point in time it's like okay i'm not i don't want to bring my xbox one to the hotel i want to be able to continue playing my new xbox one game uh from the hotel and and again the internet at those locations isn't there yet um i haven't even tried xcloud over cellular and i'm sure i'll try it once it comes to ios but i
0: think they recommend is it 10
1: it's like 10 megabytes 10 down
0: five up or something something yeah. around that yeah which isn't
1: crazy i mean most common you know in town connections are going to blow that out of the water uh obviously a higher connection and a good router helps as well in terms of and and you know you're gonna have a bunch of devices also on your network but uh and that doesn't help the hotel situation either but when you mention um let's fast forward this conversation to holiday 2020 is the xbox series x an option for me when it comes to halo infinite maybe not but maybe i'm gonna so this is the cool thing about about x cloud is that microsoft is really billing the next generation as you buy the game and you own that entitlement across our platforms so right we've already seen that with pc and xbox one now they're going to extend it to xbox series x as well so when i buy halo infinite the digital version i can play it And I'm not even going to buy it. I'm going to have Game Pass. I have Game Pass. Just I've been kept stacking it as they keep having these deals. I'm stacked until like next April. So I'm just going to have Halo Infinite, my saves on the cloud, and I can play it. Um, I can play the Xbox One version, download it onto the hard drive on my Xbox One X. I could stream the uh, Xbox Series X version and the way that game looks on my Xbox One X or my phone and play it wherever i want based on an internet connection so right there you're right is i don't have to go out and buy an xbox series x right away i can wait until the time is right for me and i think that's where the playstation 5 fails in this entire conversation about streaming and that they do have a streaming service but it's not there like it's it's not uh, it's not up there in the conversation with the other ones because sony really hasn't been pushing it They actually took a step away from that with their PlayStation Now service, where it now more focuses on downloads as opposed to streaming, similar to Game Pass. There's still that streaming element to play like PS3 games on your PS4, and PlayStation's been ahead of the game in terms of having this live, real service out there for people to try, but the technology that they were using, it never really worked for me, whereas these other services like um, GeForce Now, that works you Mm -hmm. know it's a it's a tolerable you know input lag like it's close enough and you see those graphics and yeah there are dips here and there but it you're playing over the internet it's to be expected so if the playstation 5 is going to cost 700 dollars, i know in comparison to video cards that's what you're spending on a high-end video card so relatively it's not that expensive in comparison to other platforms but when you get talking about you and i who are you know playing on different platforms we have a high end pc another 700 dollar console added on to all the other stuff we're we're sort of maintaining it starts to become which one do you invest in do you wait and buy the new video card that comes out based on the new benchmarks that games are going to be hitting with the next gen of consoles or do you buy the PlayStation 5 and then that's where you play all your high end games I, Mm-hmm. i mean for for us we, we you and i will both say like no pc is just it's easier to maintain that ecosystem because i never lose my my games right i can just keep playing them no matter no matter what generation we're in right there are no generations outside of major os releases and, and i don't think that's happening anytime soon i think windows 10 is kind of here to stay for the long term so i it's a tough call and i mean until we know prices for sure it's uh it's hard to but i think you and i have both been pretty it's all about the games it's we've been pretty vocal about these next-gen consoles are gonna have to really wow us with games to go out day one and purchase i think with the switch it was a combination of new zelda and doing something so completely different that it was like oh wow nintendo merging their handheld and
0: oh man i feel like nintendo is just because of the innovations that they make with their hardware, sometimes more successfully than others, that they just don't factor into my, should I get the next Nintendo? It's always like, okay, so I'm going to get the next Nintendo and, Mm -hmm. and then it's like Xbox and Sony are just kind of fighting it out for, you know, who's going to be my day one console purchase, because Nintendo is just kind of a no brainer. And especially at this point, With how well they did with the Switch, I'm kind of just like, you know, more of their consoles have been a really big hit with me than not. I think um, the Wii U is probably the only one that, I mean, I ended up kind of like lucking into one because Matt had one when we got together and it was still like current. So I I played a little bit on it, but not very much. Um, That's the only one that's kind of fallen flat for, for me and a lot of other people, I think. So Nintendo almost just gets a pass me and then it's like okay so of xbox and playstation you guys are basically the same so Mm -hmm. you know who's gonna get my day one buy, and it's almost always exclusive so you know again it's it's based on the games but yeah yeah especially with microsoft like um tying so much into their windows ecosystem i mean i feel like i just have to buy a playstation because I'll be able to play most xbox things on my pc anyway so the
1: ones that matter i mean yeah for me it's that's the other thing too like uh i'm not we, we'll see in, on the holiday like, but yeah obviously- i was
0: gonna say like that's all assuming that yeah. you know it's not gonna hit you know 700 750 because that's steep even for me like i don't think i can find that money i don't think i can afford it even once every you know like how many years it's still like that's getting that's getting too much
1: I think $700 when I have so many other devices that that can play these games it, it $700 is almost like okay now I'm looking for more cons than pros whereas with the switch I was like okay it's gonna be 400 bucks plus games accessories all that so it probably ends up climbing to about 600 when you factor all that other stuff in
0: Right. And with the other stuff factored into stuff like the PlayStation that might have a base price of what we paid for the Switch with all the accessories, you still have to get games and accessories for the PlayStation. So that that shit's going to hit $1,000 real quick.
1: Yeah. And I
0: mean, I think with... I think
1: with PlayStation,
0: you know, again, Canadian dollars. Uh, yeah, we're
1: all this is all Canadian, but again, I think you know it still translates in terms of American yeah. dollars. Like you know, something that's going to cost more than four hundred and fifty bucks is is a lot. But um, when you look at the previous generation, it was it was um, it was about my experience the generation before and what I was buying. When I looked at the Xbox, I was like, okay the Xbox 360 was great, but the Xbox One has some issues, the games aren't really there, Halo 5 isn't coming for another year, perfect excuse to get the PlayStation 4 first, and there are all these great experiences that I know I'm going to have because I really enjoyed the PlayStation 3 and what it had to offer, and they were coming out of the gate, you know, just swinging and and shining as a a good example. Um, This generation i don't i don't think i'm seeing that i know from either side uh, i think uh it's just they're they're a lot more relaxed uh mm-hmm. and we are in, just
0: basically like yeah this is what our hardware is gonna do we realized it's basically the same thing as the competition we hope you're stoked about our exclusives but really there's nothing we can offer that's gonna be super crazy <laughs> yeah
1: well it's just a it's just another way of playing your games that is basically a computer a high-end computer right yeah
0: well that's that's the point they're at now right is that like it just it is a computer so that's what you're paying for so
1: these these companies they you know microsoft and sony have both been burned by gimmicks you know sony with the weird development process for the for the cell processor on the ps3 and then microsoft with their you know connection to the connect and tv Mm -hmm. and all in one box so they've both tried and kind of I guess not necessarily failed, but but had some stumblings with that. So this generation, they're very much saying like, no, we're, we're building you a PC that plays our games and it's an option for you and uh, take it or leave it. And I just think it for me, it, it, we've talked about it before, but I think it just means the day one purchase becomes less of like, man, how do I save up this money to like, I'm fine waiting and buying this when I'm ready and yeah. I'll be able to, there's so many experiences. You look at games, you know, six years ago to today, uh, there was less experiences then in terms of like the day-to-day. So now you can play a whole bunch of different games. You know, you have Game Pass now. You have you have a whole bunch of games on Steam. Like the Switch is still going strong. There's still plenty of experiences to have and the ones on the next gen can wait a, a little bit or we'll play mm-hmm. them on PC. I think I think we'll find that uh, come holiday we'll, we'll both be doing something a little different than we normally done with new consoles
0: yep i think that's a definite possibility uh well speaking of the price of things we do also have an update on youtube's deal with activision blizzard so apparently from sources close to the deal it is valued at approximately 160 million dollars now we don't know if that is um 160 million Including the services that Google provided, or if it was 160 million paid by Google to Blizzard to license their eSport content, and then also the Google services were on top. So, or like, yeah. So it could be 160 million including services, or 160 million plus services. We're not entirely clear. The article doesn't say, but uh, 160 million dollars is a pretty big chunk of money, and apparently most of that. Uh, was part of the Overwatch League deal. So apparently that was valued at $90 million over two years. And then um, there was a smaller chunk that went towards uh, the Call of Duty. And then this kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but um, Hearthstone... <laughs> Which was called out in this uh, esports observer article as not a tier one esport. Oh, my heart's breaking, but it's true. <laughs> it was described as a free throw-in for YouTube. <laughs> free? Yeah. Could free. be worse.
1: You could you could get the heroes treatment, so
0: I guess so. That is true. Knock on wood, at least Hearthstone Esports is still running we could have gone the way of heroes and they, throw uh, they could have canceled a... it but yeah it was like a free like on top oh you might as well have hearthstone too it's like it's yeah. a happy
1: meal toy or something like here you go here's a sh- you hearthstone, know, shitty
0: the happy meal toy of esports uh,
1: hearthstone's <laughs> still so like uh, maybe that just goes to sh- i didn't think call of duty was a tier one i i the sh- the Q- I don't
0: even know what they consider a tier 1 esport like are they talking about like prize pool or Are they talking about viewership like Probably viewership i have no are. idea what what criteria I, this almost feels like they just really wanted to take a shot at hearthstone but at the same time if blizzard just kind of like threw it in to <laughs> I, I don't know goodwill for youtube or like sweeten the deal a little bit more like i don't know but I when you're know. being described as a free throw in, for the for the um, like the other party, then yeah, that's that's never a good sign.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: I mean, you,
1: you yeah. I don't know. This is wild. Yeah, Hearthstone is a three, uh, free throw in. That's that's a crazy way to describe probably the the most popular, uh, card based TCG uh, C- yeah. yeah TCG, um. I mean if they said like they threw in, you know, the wow mythic runs as a th- as a sort of throw in, I'd be like, yeah, that's not even that's not even a, a dig. That just makes sense, right? But Hearthstone, that's a Yeah, Hearthstone. Like, that's a wild. Well, and accusation. again, like
0: as we mentioned when um after the the first major Hearthstone tournament that was over on YouTube was only getting about 10% of the viewership that it had been getting on Twitch, like I mean, I don't really blame them. Uh the People, uh, Hearthstone Twitch viewers are, are quite, um, I was going to say fickle, but I guess they're probably actually the opposite. Like they have their platform, they have their esport that they watch, and that's pretty much it. Like Hearthstone has fairly consistent high viewership as long as the streamer stays like true to Hearthstone. There have been a lot of Hearthstone streamers that have burnt out and have had, you know, 15 000 to 20,000 viewers. And they switch away from Hearthstone and they go to something else, even another card game. And their viewership just drops off like crazy, like down into the hundreds from the, you know, multi thousands. And so and then like they'll come back to Hearthstone it's right back again. Like people who watch Hearthstone on Twitch, I feel like just watch Hearthstone on Twitch. And they'll go from like one live stream to another live stream to another live stream and just kind of have it on all the time watching Hearthstone. I don't know what it is about Hearthstone, but that seems to be the way that those viewers actually act. So it's kind of nuts, but um, I can see that Hearthstone would not necessarily do well on another platform because, again, these viewers seem to be like super creatures of habit. So I don't know. But for it to just be a three, uh, free throw-in on the top means that like Blizzard isn't even making that much money from advertisers because if they're just like, yeah, throw Hearthstone in on the top, they don't even care about selling ad space in Esports, in Hearthstone Esports, right? Like, they're not even concerned about low viewership numbers. They literally don't care. So, mm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this all plays out over the next couple of years. But uh, I did think it was interesting, at least, to, to put kind of a, a monetary value on that, to, to know what YouTube actually paid uh, for those Esports, because the value of Esports still is... I I feel like it's uh, such an unknown quantity, like it's such a new industry and a new kind of revenue stream that I feel like nobody's quite like unlocked the code. It's like people watch this. It's very interesting. There's there could be a lot of money, but it feels like so many esports things are potentially like super overvalued to the point that I'm just like, you know, like the. The eyeballs on stuff and the return on investment, if you actually have advertisers paying these crazy high amounts, like it can't all be adding up like it just can't. This isn't the Super Bowl, (laughs) but like some of these prices that they're paying for these streamers and these uh, these content sources just seem absolutely astronomical to me. And maybe, I, maybe a lot of people are buying, you know, like um, Razor and Elgato equipment and Corsair equipment, and it's totally worth it. And these companies are seeing all their money back. But I don't know, man, I don't see it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's really tough to this is, it's not like, uh, it's not like other content where it's a surefire win for advertisers. It's, it's not it's not as easy so when i th- and that's where I, s- I was talking on the patreon mini like 160 million seems so big and then jim was kind of breaking down the numbers and i was like it's not that big in, in comparison but it still feels like a lot of money that you're throwing at something that it, it, I, I don't know it's tough it's tough to explain whether without... it's
0: like it's an intangible thing right like mm-hmm. broadcasting rights for a, a type of content that brings in viewers but again is so young and so new that i think valuing it is very difficult so i yeah i don't know i mean we'll see like i said we'll see how this plays out but i'm not necessarily convinced that the um the value of esports is being accurately uh, reported right now let's say like i think everybody has big aspirations and sees a lot of potential and then so is saying things like oh yeah this is worth like a 100 million and it's like but is it is it actually like it might have the potential to get there eventually but i think some people may be just jumping the gun with the valuations of some of these things but we'll see how we'll see how it goes uh one final quick piece of news this week Mm -hmm. the sonic movie (laughs) is out Right. With the new, with the new Hedgehog, or I guess uh-huh. the old Hedgehog, the redesigned Hedgehog, anyways, and guys, it's doing well.
1: <laughs> it's the now re- breaking records in the sense that it is the number one video game movie in terms of box office, uh, you know, revenue, or I guess I should say uh, money made. It's not revenue, you know what I mean? Biggest opening, yeah. you know, for a video game movie, beating Detective Pikachu. Which, Which had, is insane
0: uh, because Detective Pikachu was so good.
1: <laughs> it, it was good. It was good. And, but the here's the thing, and I and I haven't seen Sonic and, and neither of you, uh, but but you look at Detective Pikachu, and I think, wow, that's a great Pokemon live action movie. They nailed it. But in the grand scheme of things, like it's it's not a it's not a great movie on its own. It's just a good. It's a really great Pokemon movie. It's it's hard to explain without bringing it all the way down. I think it's a good movie. But if you were to put anyone in front of it, it's like it's not an Oscar contender. But we've been dealing with shit with video game movies for so long that when something comes around that's actually respects the source material and is a good movie, we're all over it. So you look at Sonic the Hedgehog and people are saying, it's another one of those. It's not a perfect film, but it really treats the source material well. And it's not complete completely terrible. And Jim Carrey's in it and he's back to his old wily self, right? So, this is exciting. um I mean, if they can make a good Sonic movie,
0: 95 you know. on Rotten Tomatoes, Ryan. Audience, 95 audience. What?
1: That's crazy <laughs> no, because man.
0: it's honestly it's blowing my mind. After the complete shitstorm over the original design of the character, and how everyone was saying like this was just going to be the biggest pile of shit that anyone had ever put out in terms of video game movies, like where these people just like came out of the woodwork for this movie i mean maybe they're trying to show that you know if you take the time and invest the money to basically give the fans what they want in the redesign of the character they're going to reward you with ridiculous opening weekends and crazy high rotten tomato scores like i don't even understand ryan i don't understand this movie looks terrible (laughs)
1: it here's the thing i don't think that like it looked it looks terrible the first okay
0: i maybe that was a little bit too far but i it it looks to me Mm. like it is taking a very thin concept from a video game like a little blue dude who runs really fast and has a nemesis and they've made a movie about it fine but like it just it looks so simplistic maybe that works for it i don't know but It looks like every story that I've ever seen ever before. Like, it doesn't look like it's breaking any new ground. It doesn't look like it's anything. Like, I feel like you could take any good guy, any villain and any like best bud and throw those (laughs) characters into this movie with this plot. And it would work absolutely fine. Like there's, and and again, I haven't seen it. mm -hmm. I'm just going off of like trailers and, and reviews and stuff that I've seen. And I'm just like, this sounds so generic. And maybe that's the key. Maybe that's what they needed to to bring video game movies into like the mainstream is they just needed to be generic and well you strip it. out anything that made it look, you know, potentially interesting. But even then, like I say, Sonic is not a mind-bending, crazy long story game, like no. Sonic likes to go fast and he gets some gold rings, and ta da, you did it. Like
1: <laughs> every Sonic game has the same plot. It's essentially Dr. Robotnik is doing something to, you know, try and to you take over the world. Stop. Yeah, exactly.
0: Stop and I'm not saying other, like a lot of other, like video games do have crazy plots. There are some video games with crazy plots. We're seeing more and more and more now. But I mean, if you look at like every Zelda, every Zelda is the same. Like <laughs> these aren't like breaking new story ground so i don't know like i just i never would have chosen to do a movie about sonic the hedgehog anyway because it's plot is so basic but like i don't maybe that's what's working i don't know this is just this whole entire thing i feel like i'm in the twilight zone right now like what even is happening
1: it is so you you kind of you boiled it down really well in the sense like if this could be swapped with any you know other good guy bad guy buddy uh character or even a completely original story told in the same way but that wouldn't be as successful as this because sonic as a character has 30 years of following it's a huge deal the he's got comics he's got tv shows he's big with the kids he's he's big with people who grew up with him um you know i i showed the trailer uh when it came out in and I showed it to, to to Caden and to Abigail and I said, you guys want to go see this? And a lot of people are telling me, yeah, it'd be great for, you know, Caden as a four-year-old. He'd probably really dig it. Um, and they want to see it. They love it. So I, I think I will end up going to see this movie sooner rather than later uh, with the kids. I don't think Ashley has any interest in it, but um, <laughs> the kids are excited. Well, and
0: I'm interested to see what you think of it as someone who, like, is familiar with Sonic, who plays the games, like
1: i mean let's be honest i'll probably really like it because i you probably
0: I, will because you like everything <laughs> I,
1: well I, you know i if i if i think we if even I came
0: I, around on mythic quest <laughs> i
1: know but here's the thing if i thought i wasn't gonna enjoy it i wouldn't go see it you know i only go see movies that i think i'm gonna I, i'm gonna enjoy and and the fact is like i like sonic uh i love jim carrey especially old school jim carrey uh i'm not a, you know i'm not a, i'm not i'm not i'm not big on james Marsden, but whatever he can he grows on me from time to time um he's he's probably what i'm least looking forward to in this movie but maybe he'll be maybe he'll be great you know him and sonic i love him i know (laughs) i know i just there's something about him i don't know what it is uh maybe it's his eyes he's got really blue eyes you know anyways um, yeah okay <laughs> but Jim Carrey oh man I will like as soon as I saw him in the first trailer even with Ugly Sonic I was like you know what I might just see this for the train wreck that is Ugly Jim Sonic K- and Jim Carrey but
0: just for Jim Carrey yeah and mm. I have heard that Jim Carrey it does carry the movie oh! uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah like I have heard that his performance is really good and I mean I love a good serious Jim Carrey but I also love you know some yeah. of the more <laughs> i love some of his like earlier stuff well, it's not all good, it. like see, like i don't know like the truman but show was probably he's a good, a good uh... character actor yeah he is yes right yeah. right.
1: and he he goes all in like i've watched some of his uh you know some of his his press junkets for for this movie and he's you know he's people are saying like uh, you, there was a there's a great clip of him doing uh the grinch you know and he's just back in he's he's really enjoying it and i know he stepped away from that because it was like causing you know it, it's it's hard to to be that zany all the time and mm-hmm. i'm glad he came back well, and he like, g- gave it his a game dr robotnik jim carrey gave his a game for dr robotnik i mean that's kind of nuts when you think of it. when they announced that yeah. i was like what no way that's crazy but he did it so yeah i don't know
0: yeah, I don't. Well, you'll have to come back and you'll have to report to us after you go and see Sonic and let us know what you think. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to join the conversation and let us know what you think about anything that we talked about tonight, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI discord. You can also email the show at info Or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me Jocelyn at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at the Gamers In. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye,
1: everyone.